What up, Fight Fans? It's your boy, Shockwave Dave, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. And today, Top Turtle MMA Podcast presents you with a very special episode of our favorite segment from the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We're breaking down the fights of UFC 244, giving you a couple of dogs that we like, and and a parlay, just for all your gambling needs. Hopefully you're not a gambling addict, but we hope you enjoy this and maybe make some money off the advice that we give. Follow our show, at Top Turtle MMA, on Twitter. And I, of course, want to shout out our sponsor, Rampage Coffee. If you got a lot of shit to do in your day, then you need some strong coffee. That coffee should be Rampage Coffee. They are four times as strong as your average coffee. I want you to remember that. They are four times as strong as your average coffee. Four times, four times, four times. Rampage Coffee brings you this episode of Fights, Dogs, Parlays for UFC 244. Four times as excited for this card this week and for a normal card. It, of course, is headlined by a make-believe WWE-esque BMF title, which stands for Bad Motherfucker, if you're unaware. It's the dorkiest shit. Uh, It's the two, like, most real, most badass fighters taking part in, like, the silliest thing the UFC (laughs) has ever done. And I love every fucking second of it. I think it's hilarious that The Rock might be in the octagon to present someone with a belt. At least that's the rumor on the street. It's so fucking nerdy. Whatever. Uh, Nate Diaz is coming off of a beautiful performance, a unanimous decision victory over Anthony Pettis. Uh, That was back in August. So quick turnaround for Nate after sitting on his couch for about three months or three years (laughs) post Conor McGregor uh, sequel fight. Jorge Masvidal has never been hotter as a property in MMA, as a brand, if you will. Everyone knows his name because he had maybe now the most iconic UFC knockout of all time, the fastest UFC knockout of all time, two and a half, three seconds tops, knee to the face of Ben Askren, sent him into the upside down world and Stranger Things, sent him into another dimension. It was replayed over and over again on ESPN, SportsCenter, uh, anywhere a highlight could be found, shared on social media probably 70 billion times. Masvidal, the minus 185 favorite. Diaz, the plus 160 dog. This fight is taking place at 170 pounds. Who you got? I, I actually am, and this is going to be probably a first for me, I'm taking Nate Diaz in this fight. Uh, and for a bunch of different reasons, uh, I think the line is a little bit inflated for Jorge Masvidal based on that knockout that you mentioned along with the knockout of Darren Till. I think people are really high on him because he got two back-to-back knockouts. It's been a long time since we've seen Nate get knocked out. Nate knows how to take a punch. Nate rolls with punches really well. And if you go back and look at Masvidal against guys who are are really prolific strikers, who throw lots of strikes and are very technical in the strikes that they throw... He's had difficulty. Look, look at his fight with Steven Thompson. In that fight, he was outstruck 70-42, to 42, which is, is not all that dramatic, but he was clearly losing that fight most of the time. And on top of that, he, he landed 42 of 142 strikes. So when somebody is good defensively, 
in the stand-up against Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal has trouble landing, and I think that that's a problem for him here, too. You can also see similar problems in fights. I, I mean, like, he missed a lot of strikes in a fight against James Krause, if you go back. You know, like, James Krause almost outstruck him and did outstrike him in several rounds, and he, he missed over 100 strikes in that fight, too. So, like, for people who are technical, proficient stand-up guys, which Nate Diaz is... Those types of people give Jorge Masvidal problems, and unless you really believe he's going to land the big knockout strike, I think Nate winning three out of five of these rounds en route to a decision is really, really likely in this case. All right, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I think Masvidal will take this. I think he'll take it via decision. Both guys are impossible to kill off. Uh, the last time we saw Diaz get knocked out, I think we're going on four years ago, head kick knockout loss to Josh Thompson. But more or less, Nate Diaz is a walking zombie. Just ask Conor McGregor about that. Although McGregor was able to knock him down a few times in the sequel. Uh, Masvidal has never been finished in the UFC. Nate Diaz, I do not believe, will be the person to do it. I think this goes the decision. I think Masvidal takes three out of five rounds. The other thing I like about Masvidal is Nate really has to collectively add up on his shot to even have a chance of knocking you out. Masvidal has more power, in my opinion. Of course, famous for the three-piece and a soda uh, combo, and he's certainly a puncher in bunches. But I do believe he actually is the the I don't want to say better striker. I think he I think he has a better chance of knocking out Nate than Nate does of him. But like I said, I think it goes to decision. And I'll also say that he's a true one seventy er, whereas Nate, you know, I think at one seventy, he's what. Three and two, three and three. He's a 500 fighter at 170. Masvidal has only lost to the very tippy top uh, of the division. So for me, it's Masvidal. It's a great fight, though, uh, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it either, too. But the one thing I will say about Nate Diaz, if we're talking about him, you know, sort of at 170, is, is we haven't seen him at that in a very long time. You know, like, uh, with the exception of the, the recent Anthony Pettis fight, you know, like, it, and I and I guess Conor McGregor, right? Like, Conor McGregor and Anthony Pettis, which I guess is three years before that. You know, well before that, he was fighting at lightweight. You'd have to go, like, you know, uh, way back to before his title shot to find him uh, again in, in welterweight. So, for that reason, you know, I, I kind of think that, that Nate Diaz... It's kind of evolved in those sense. I think he's very different than he was in the way that we think about him at welterweight. And to be honest with you, you know, he did really well against a striker like Conor McGregor, did really well against a striker like uh, Anthony Pettis, and I just don't feel like you can say the same thing about Masvidal. Well, I will also say for me, and I don't discount that. I mean, I agree with you. It, that's what makes this, you know, an absolutely amazing fight and matchmaking at the UFC. And that's just because both guys, I think, are... Nate is obviously a name and a star. He moves the needle, uh, to borrow a phrase from Dana White. And Masvidal is kind of at the peak of his drawing power, coming off the highlight reel KO of Astrid. So it was the right match to make at the right time. But from a technical standpoint, both guys, there's a lot of similarities there. You know, they don't necessarily have one-punch knockout power, but they're both great at throwing combos and bunches. Uh, Jorge Masvidal probably underrated submission defense. Survive with Damian Maia on his back for almost a full round. That doesn't get talked about enough. But one of the reasons I pick Masvidal here, though, is I do think he's peaking at the right time in his career. Mm -hmm. I think he's about 31 years old. 
He probably only, and he's been fighting professionally for 16 years. Started fighting in 2003. A couple of street fight videos you can find on YouTube before <laughs> that. We probably don't have much more of peak Masvidal. Maybe another year or two, maybe three fights, four fights at best. Uh, but this is peak Masvidal to me. And I feel like, he, you know, stringing together the Till win, the Askren win, I feel it's all coming together. We'll move on, though. Very exciting co-main event. Kelvin Gastelum is a minus 200 favorite over Darren Till, plus 170. Till coming up to 185 here. Funny how this is a co-main event. Both guys are actually coming off losses, but you almost have to excuse the loss for Gastelum. He lost the unanimous decision to Israel Adesanya back in the spring. Classic fight. Took a couple of rounds off Adesanya. Put Adesanya in trouble. Really the most trouble we've seen Adesanya in in his career. Before that, he reeled off wins over Jacques Array and Michael Bisping. So Gastelum, no shame in losing to the very top of the division, the champion in Adesanya in a very classic fight. Uh, so you want to talk about someone peaking, I would say Gastelum is kind of peaking right now in his career. And he's going to fight Till, who's coming up to 185, who's coming off a loss to the aforementioned Jorge Masvidal via KO, the three-piece in Minnesota, aforementioned, and a loss to Tyron Woodley before that. So he's on a two-fight losing streak, coming up to a new division, trying to figure out what's what. Uh, I think he's claimed that, you know, he's rededicated himself. He's changed some things in his training. He's a plus-170 dog here. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm leaning Kelvin Gastelum, but this is a fight I've honestly gone back and forth on uh, like a hundred times. The reason I'm leaning Kelvin Gastelum is he's a dude who's only been put away one time, and that was by arm triangle choke by Chris Weidman in uh, in in pretty much a home home court advantage for Chris Weidman fight. Uh, I'm a little bit worried because he took all those punches from Israel Adesanya, and part of me goes back and forth just on that aspect, being like, well, he can clearly take a punch, so that's a bonus here because he's against a, a heavy puncher in Darren Till. And then I turn right around and I say. But he took all those punches, too. So that's, like, the other thing that worries me a little bit about Calvin Gastelum in this is that he just is coming off an absolute war. What did that take out of him? And for Darren Till, I go back and forth, too, because he's coming up a weight class. And he was never a guy down a weight class that was going down to, like, body people up. You know, like to use his physicality. So, like, I think moving up is going to be such an advantage for him. So, honestly, I've been back and forth a bunch. I'm leaning towards Calvin Gastelum just because I think Till isn't going to be able to land that one punch that puts him away. And as a result, like, Calvin winds up winning a decision. I also think the wrestling's there. While, you know, Darren Till's got some really impressive defensive wrestling from time to time. I think the wrestling kid's probably there or putting him up against the cage is probably there and wearing him out. So, I'm going to lead by to Calvin Gastelum, but I am not very comfortable in that pick. Yeah. Um, ditto here. I think, you know, I said this of when we were breaking down Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, and I said, I don't necessarily know we know what Yair Rodriguez is yet per se. And I think we have a pretty good picture of it now. I wasn't sure if maybe we would see a different Yair who didn't want to fight off his back or do kind of wild shit that puts him in jeopardy. I think he's always just going to be that guy, but I wasn't exactly sure. I needed that, like, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Gumby. You want to get to, like, their sixth or seventh, potentially eighth fight in the UFC to really know what you have in a fighter. It's like now, when you say Jorge Masvidal fight, I know what to expect. Nate Diaz fight, I know what to expect. But with a younger fighter, that's tough. Now Till, seemingly in the right weight class, 
I don't necessarily know what to expect. I want to see if there's any difference in the game. I also want to see if the wrestling improves. You know, we saw Tyron Woodley was able to kind of muscle him around, got him to the ground, Darce choked him. I'm interested to see someone who's a traditional who finds some success in the lower levels of MMA, utilizing that striking, but then gets to the big leagues and finds that, you know, American wrestling, uh, submission grappling, it's a whole different ball game, and you kind of have to adjust on the fly and learn later in life. And I think that's the position Till was really in. Uh, you know, he's not a good grappler. Gasolum's going to come forward. If Gasolum want to get them up against the cage, make it like a dirty boxing, hat tip Randy Couture, he might be able to do that, or... Maybe we see a brand new till here, not, you know, dog tired from the massive weight cut he was putting himself through. So that all being said, I lean Gastelum just like you based off what we've seen historically. But if you want to tell me we see a new Darren Till here that finds fresh life, kind of like a zombie on The Walking Dead at 185, I can see that too. Yeah, I can see it too. And, and that's the reason. And there's so many fights on this card that are like that. I feel like I just can't pick. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I can pick and what I'm so excited for. It's our next fight, which takes place, uh, or I should say involves, really, I think, someone who could be a star in the UFC, someone who all go out on the limb and say is going to be a star in the UFC. He might not have the flashy knockout style. Think of him more as like an American Habib Nurmagomedov I, of course, I of course am talking about Gregor Gillespie. He's a minus-170 favorite over Kevin Lee. He's a plus-150 dog. Interesting matchmaking here because Kevin Lee is a great wrestler. I happen to believe Gregor Gillespie is a better wrestler. But it's interesting to me that the UFC would take this undefeated young fighter and kind of match him up with someone that has a lot of his same strength. I almost feel like they would have reserved this type of matchup for later in his career when he's a bigger known name. There's a lot of risk here. Maybe Kevin Lee neutralizes a lot of that wrestling and kind of pops an air in the balloon of Gregor Gillespie that's getting bigger and bigger. That's what makes this fight so great, though. Gillespie, as I said, undefeated in the UFC, coming off a TKO over Yancey Medeiros. Uh, he had an arm triangle choke over Vince Pichel before that. TKO over Jordan Rinaldi. Uh, arm triangle off of Jason Gonzalez, uh, KO over Andrew Holbrook. So in his last five fights, he's finished all five of his opponents in the UFC, uh, two submissions, three KOs, just simply incredible. This is a future star of the division. Kevin Lee once also thought to be a future star of the, of the division. Once fought for an interim title against Tony Ferguson. He's on a two-fight losing streak. It's been tough going for him. He lost to Ally Aquinta, the unanimous decision. He's coming off an arm triangle choke loss to Rafael Dos Anjos. Crossroads of Kevin Lee's career. He doesn't want to drop three in a row here. What happened? Uh, I'm going with Gregor Gillespie all the way here, and, and for a lot of reasons. One is that Kevin Lee in back-to-back -back fights has fought guys who can wrestle pretty decently. And, and in those fights, he's landed only 9 of 21 of his attempts at takedowns. One of the things about Kevin Lee you'll notice is he's a very... He's a very basic striker. He he knows how to put combinations together, but it's almost like he's following a playbook, and he doesn't vary those strikes very much. Like, he'll throw the same one-two combo, or he'll throw the same, you know, hook-leg-kick combo, and he's not very good at mixing those up. He's good at doing exactly what his coach showed him, 
And it seems like pretty much just that. And when you look at what Gregor Gillespie does, is Gregor Gillespie chains things together, whether it's his wrestling or his strikes. He does a phenomenal job at changing things together. So I think he's just going to be too versatile. And when Kevin Lee shoots in for those takedowns, look, Ally Aquinta stuffed him a bunch of times. Rafael Dos Anjos stuffed him 10 freaking times. Like, you mean to tell me you don't think Gregor Gillespie, who is, I believe, one of the more superior D1 wrestlers in the UFC... I just think that's going to be a hell of a time for Kevin Lee. And I think as a result, you know, like this is going to be pretty one-sided and, you know, Kevin Lee coming off an arm triangle defeat against Rafael Dos Anjos, I would not be surprised to see him back to back like that. Uh, It could be a tough night for Kevin Lee. No matter what happens, keep your fucking eyes on Gregor Gillespie. Buy stock now. Blue Horseshoe loves Gregor Gillespie, this is a man to watch. All right, it's time for our parlay of the week. You can take Wonder Boy, a minus 130 favorite, pair them together with Shane Burgos, also a minus, uh, also a favorite, but minus 260. It would get you a plus 145 as a parlay, the two of them together. What do we like about this? So I, I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because I think people are selling him off after the Anthony Pettis loss, and, and I think that's just silly, especially because he did the smart thing. He took a lot of time off to let his brain heal so that that concussion doesn't compound if that is what he had, a concussion. So, you know, I, I like that he took the time off, and also he's facing a guy in Vicente Luque who's coming off a win over Mike Perry, but, like, I use win sort of soft. A lot of people believe Mike Perry won that fight. I definitely have to go back and watch it to be convinced that Mike Perry won the fight, but it was close enough that we're debating this. And if Mike Perry was too much of a striker, or even if he had anything in the grappling department for Vicente Luque, you have to feel bad about Vicente Luque fighting Wonderboy Thompson, right? Like, Mike Perry is a good striker. Mike Perry is not Wonderboy. And I think Wonderboy also is going to keep Vicente Luque away, because Vicente Luque is the type of person... Who, who can be kept away if you use your kicks the, in the right way. So I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for that reason. And Shane Burgos, he's going to be fighting Makwan Amir Akani, who, who's a good wrestler in his own right. But I just think, you know, Shane Burgos on his feet is such an underrated striker. He's coming off the win over Cub Swanson. I think Makwan Amir Akani is an exciting prospect, but probably not the one here to beat Shane Burgos, who's only ever lost to Calvin Cater in his life. Um, so I, I like pairing these two together. And as I always say, if you can pair two guys who you're pretty confident are going to win together and get plus money, uh, you definitely got to make that play. All right. Our dog of the week. <laughs> our dog of the week. And there are a couple of dogs on this card, but the dog to play this week is Derek Lewis. Betting off only at a plus 110, so a very slight dog. But nonetheless, our dog of the week, he's fighting uh, Blagoj Ivanov, uh, but we like him here. Yeah, I like him here against Blagoj Ivanov because Ivanov is probably not the type of person who is going to take him out. You know, and, and if you think about, you know, all of your, your Derek Lewis fights, like, Derek Lewis is not the type of guy to go to decision. Whereas Blago Ivanov is the type of guy who pretty much only wins by decision, which means he's going to have to hang around in the cage for 15 minutes with the Black Beast and not get knocked out. And, and as much as I like Blago Ivanov, and I think he's actually a really fun guy to watch in the heavyweight division right now, if you tell me that your only method to victory here is that you're going to have to to outlast and survive against Derek Lewis, I sort of lose my faith in you. And 
And for the fact that we can get plus money on a heavyweight fight, too, where, uh, you know, I, I actually think the favorite should be Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that it's a smart play, even if the line is pretty close to even. Uh, with that being said, I also just want to shout out a couple other of the plus money guys out there. Like Jennifer Maya betting off at plus money against Caitlin Jokagian at like plus 140 is kind of exciting. Chance Rand Counter, who we're going to have on the show in a little bit at plus 110 is, is really exciting. Um, and I know people love uh, Johnny Walker, but like Corey Anderson betting off at plus money against Johnny Walker is pretty exciting too. So keep your eyes peeled on all of those, but our official pick is, of course, the Black Beast. That's our dog. This was Fight Dogs and Parlays. We hope you enjoyed it. Gumby, why don't we uh, get on with our next segment? 